Hello. 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 Hello, my name is Matthew West, and I'm the host of this podcast. It's called the Matthew West Podcast. I really hope you like it. Hello. My friends, nothing like a pandemic to make you more health conscious than ever. Are you with me? These days, the West family has been making sure we're doing everything we can to keep the air in our home clean and toxin-free. Enter Simply Earth. This is an amazing company that we've fallen in love with. Their essential oil recipe boxes make it easy to master essential oils. At over $150 value, you're going to get four full-size essential oils and all the ingredients you need to make six natural recipes, all for just $39 when you subscribe. But check this out. These are not just essential oils that are going to help keep your air toxin-free. This company is on a mission to change the world, and here's how they do it. They're donating 13% of all their profits to help end human trafficking. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a cause that the West family can get behind, and that's one of the main reasons we support this company. We're going to get our essential oils somewhere. We might as well get it from a company that we believe is changing the world, and we get to take part in that. Now, this is like one of those meal subscription kits, but it's way more fun and a lot less edible. You get 100% pure and natural Simply Earth ingredients delivered to your door. You get to follow the fun recipes in your Simply Earth essential oil recipe box and make products that you know will work because they are created and tested by certified aromatherapists. Now, these oils are the purest oils on earth, literally 100% pure, tested. Only the good stuff, no additives. Here's what you need to do. Enjoy a home free of toxins by going to simplyearth.com slash west and use the code west to get a free $20 gift card with your first recipe box when you subscribe today. That's simplyearth.com slash west and get a $20 gift card with your first recipe box when you use the code west and subscribe today. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Matthew West Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew West, and as always... You know, I really hope you like it. Today is April 28th, and just a few days ago, on April 25th, I celebrated a birthday, and I just wanted to take a second to thank all of you for sending me happy birthday messages on social media. A specific shout-out to the Matthew West Facebook support group. Some of my most faithful supporters out there find a way to flood my P.O. box with cards and gifts and gift cards and I don't know why you guys do that but it means so much to me so definitely feeling the love from all of you on my birthday my actual birthday was spent having dinner with my family my wife Emily and Lulu and Delaney mom and dad were there and I definitely felt loved which birthday was it you might ask well the big two nine the big 29 I'm so young so young. Okay, I'm just kidding. But uh, it was a great birthday. And boy, this past year, you guys, are you with me in kind of feeling like you've been reminded not to take a single day for granted? Every day is a gift. And I'm so thankful for this past year, as hard as it's been. And I'm looking ahead to this next year of my life, believing that the best is yet to come. And that's not because of things I hope to accomplish or because of what I think I can create on my own. But we can always believe that the best is yet to come because we serve a God who says he knows the plans he has for us. Present tense, future tense, not past tense plans. He's got plans for us moving forward. And so we can always believe that the best is yet to come. Speaking of the best being yet to come, our next virtual concert is right around the corner and it's going to be epic. All right. This is unlike any virtual show that I've done yet. It's called West Friends Fest, and the reason for that is because I'm sick and tired of all the separation we've had and all the Zoom songwriting appointments that I've had, so I invited some of my friends to come over to the studio, and they're one by one going to be hopping into the story house, and we're going to be doing never-before-performed or recorded collaboration performances with like 10 of my favorite artists. Annie F. Downs is going to be there to speak as well, but uh, I am they 
country star Carly Pierce, Rhett Walker, Micah Tyler, Austin French, the list goes on. So go to MatthewWest.com to see the entire lineup and to find out which showtime you're going to be able to catch. There are five different showtimes throughout Mother's Day weekend. Now, we do that for a specific reason because people are watching from not only from around the country, but from around the world. And so we want you to find the showtime that works for you. And we want to make sure tickets are affordable. Now, there's some higher priced VIP options. Uh, if you're looking to get a special gift for that special someone or maybe for mom, there's one where you can even get a t-shirt that says Matthew West is my friend. <laughs> uh, let's see what else you can get uh, personalized greeting where I'll send a video to your family and always have fun with those. Sometimes I make up songs and uh, you can sign up for a VIP meet and greet pre-show. Lots of good stuff there at MatthewWest.com. Again, May 7th through the 9th. So make sure you get your tickets. All right. Now at checkout, I want you to use the code PODCASTPAL. PODCASTPAL is going to get you $5 off of whichever ticket you buy. So hope you enjoy West Friends Fest. It's going to be epic and I don't want you to miss it. Let's see, what else? What else took place this past week? Well, I was kind of getting weird on social media and I uh, was getting ready for a songwriting appointment with my buddy AJ. And then I thought, you know what? I'm going to ask social media what I should write a song about. And their responses were interesting, to say the least. And so I'm going to call this segment of today's episode this week on social media. I'll play a little clip of the song I wrote inspired by Instagram ideas and comments. Check it out. All right, Instagram, you inspired a song today by your comments and ideas. So if you don't like it, it's your fault. It goes like this. It's called Laid Back Adirondack. I got that laid back Adirondack. I got the Skocker Payne telling me to write that. I got a dog. His name is Walter. Ice cream's the only thing strong enough to make me falter. I got a puppy and I'm potty training, yeah. But he won't go outside when it's raining, you know. It ain't all unicorns and rainbows. Cause that pollen count giving me a running nose. Oh, my favorite Lowe's employee is a sweet lady named Dawn Delaney, yeah. And one last thing I have to mention, of course, is that it ain't no fun falling off a horse. Say it ain't no fun falling off a horse, yeah. Uh, Adirondack, I got that laid back. Adirondack, say I got that laid back. Adirondack, got that laid back. Adirondack, yeah. I, I like the sweet and the sour, but I gotta go now, cause it's Sonic Happy Hour. That's for you. There you go, the latest hit, Laid Back Adirondack. And uh, by the way, the picture that I posted was me sitting in an Adirondack chair, which is clearly where Scott Crepain, who uh, su suggested that title, came up with that genius idea. So, And I didn't even know that Sonic had a happy hour, but uh, so that turned out to be quite informative, especially as we get to the summer months, we're going to be hopping over to that Sonic, getting that cherry limeade. Who's with me? Come on, let's go. And speaking of new music, I'll tell you, um, Justin Bieber released a record and apparently there's a song called peaches now the song has some explicit lyrics which you know i don't know why that's necessary i don't understand the need to curse in your music you know um i'm, I'm not trying to be judgmental i just don't want my daughters listening to it so but i i didn't know that it had explicit lyrics and so i clicked on the link because you know justin bieber right and it sounded to me like it was a, just a song where he was just listing different pieces of fruit or food or something, and it made me realize that I'm working entirely too hard with my songwriting. I'm trying to come up with you know, really heartfelt, deep lyrics, and this guy's just going through his refrigerator, apparently. So, so I did my own version of Justin's song, Peaches, and uh, it 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 caught it caught fire a little bit on social media. Check this out. Get my bananas from the Kroger. Oh yeah yeah. Looks like the better days are over. Oh yeah yeah. I get my syrup from the cabin. Oh yeah yeah. I tell those pancakes, girl, what's happening? Get my corn down on the farm. Oh yeah yeah. I didn't mean to do no harm. Get my kombucha from the Whole Foods. Oh yeah yeah. 
It tastes pretty terrible. Am I doing this right? Just listing things that I got yep. from grocery store? Yeah. That's how Justin Bieber did it? It is how Justin That's Bieber did it. That's what Peaches is, right? That's what Peaches is, yeah. I try way too hard when I'm writing my, my songs. I guess the moral of the story is if you're not following me on social media, well, you're just, you're missing out on quality entertainment like that. So I never really mentioned my social media channels on the podcast, but Instagram is Matthew J West. Come on, join us, join the fun. Twitter is, let's see, what, what's my Twitter account here? Twitter account is Matthew underscore West. All right. And Facebook, I think, is Matthew West Music. Well, you'll find it. You know what I mean. Of course, on Facebook, we do our weekly quarantine quiet time devotions, too. So be sure to come on. Join the fun, all right? And uh, by the way, that line about kombucha, have you ever tried kombucha? Oh, I, I've tried because it looks like it's a healthy thing that I should drink. It's tough, my friends. It is... Uh, not a pleasant experience. Unless, of course, there's a kombucha company that wants to sponsor the podcast. In that case, it's delicious. All right. Hey, you guys know at the end of every month, we do a special VIP Q&A episode. Okay. And this is where I take your calls. You call into the podcast hotline. Sometimes we have a theme. Uh, sometimes it's just you asking your questions or sharing your stories. But I got one particular call about one particular story that I thought I would dedicate today's entire episode too. And so the theme for today's episode is one word, forgiveness. You might know that I have a song by that same title, and there's a reason for it. And the reason is because of an incredibly powerful story, which is what this caller called in to ask about. Hi, Matthew. My name is Krista, and I live in a small town in East Texas. I finally got to meet you for the first time in March when you were at Longview. About 23 years ago, I found myself face-to-face -face with God with a broken heart and needing to forgive some of the closest people in my life that had hurt me. When I learned that forgiveness was from me, it was much easier and I was able to wash the feet of my betrayers. Recently, I was able to share my testimony with over 200 women and at the end, I shared your song, Forgiveness. I love all of your songs, but this one has got to be my favorite. I have heard people ask you to write a song on a certain subject and you start playing and singing immediately. So my question for you is, what prompted the song Forgiveness and why did it take you two years to write it? I love your music, your humor, and I love your podcast. Thank you so much for sharing your talent with the world, Matthew. Have a blessed day. Thank you for the call, Krista. I tell you what, the song Forgiveness, perhaps more than any other song I've ever released, has prompted more stories of people sharing how the ripple effect was felt and they were led to forgive somebody they were led to set a grudge free or maybe ask for forgiveness and then sharing a, the change that came about by the power of forgiveness. The words that I wrote in that song, the prisoner that it really frees is you. Well, you're about to find out what inspired those words. You're about to meet Renee Napier, a brave woman who dared to share her story with me and with the world, even sharing from her pain, knowing that what we say at the end of every episode of this podcast is true. It's your story for his glory, but it might not just be the good parts of your story. It might be even the most broken, the most tragic moments of our stories. I'm thankful that Renee shared her story with me, and I'm thankful that she would join me for a conversation on this podcast. Let's go to the story house with my friend, Renee Napier, and talk about forgiveness. I didn't write that song overnight. I carried your story with me for, gosh, was it close to, I mean, it was probably a year, to, yeah, close to two years that I carried it with me and had a hard time writing the song, but knew I needed to write a song about it. And so I want to give you the chance to share the same story that moved me to write this song about forgiveness. Tell me about your daughter. Let's go there. Okay. Well, just we'll have to start. If we talk about my daughter, you have to know that I was a mother of four. So I have a son, Alan, daughter, Michelle, and then identical twin daughters, uh, Carmen and Megan. 
So on May 11th, 2002, I got a knock on the door and it was my sister-in-law who had come to give me the horrible news that one of my twin daughters, Megan, had been killed. And the most devastating news that you can even imagine. I mean, I I was thinking today, knowing that we were going to share this story, and it's almost been 18 years. Uh, May 11th this year will be 18 years. And I didn't think at that moment in time that I could make it this far without her, without any of my children. And I didn't even know how to breathe or live without one of my children in my life. And, you know, it was just darkness. And I entered into the deepest, darkest you know, it's the dark night of the soul. I learned what that really is all about. And I just had to kind of navigate through all of that grief and that heaviness and uh, came to find out that my daughter Megan and her friend Lisa had been at the beach Friday night, day before Mother's Day. It was when it happened in the, in the early morning hours, hours of Saturday. And they had been on their way home from the beach and they were hit from behind by Eric Smallridge and he ended up sending them into a tree and they both died instantly. So that was my Saturday morning news. But we didn't know all of those details at that moment. I knew that they had been um, hit from behind and that they went into a tree in the median. And everyone, the, the fire and rescue people told me that they died instantly because that was really important for me to know. I didn't want my daughter to have been suffering and I wasn't there for her at that moment. I mean, I wasn't there, but that was just important. So then we had to tell my ex-husband, Philip. So I went to his house that morning and knocked on his door. And there I was with these three policemen. And he just opened the door and looked at me and he said, which one was it? And I told him it was Megan. And I said, Lisa Dixon was with her and she died too. And then, you know, that day we spent planning a funeral. It's really important for me to just mention this because this comes into play here on this particular day is that I had gotten divorced after 21 years of marriage and I didn't want to be divorced. It was not my plan and I was heartbroken and devastated and I had bitterness and anger and hatred even at one point that I had been harboring in my heart. And at one point during the day when Philip and uh, my ex-husband Philip and I and our two fathers went to get to the funeral home to make arrangements. Philip and I had a moment alone in the car and I just said, I, I don't know if it's the appropriate time or not, but I just want to let you know that I forgive you for everything. And mm. God just nudged me at that moment to do that because I kept thinking we have so much that we have to face together here and we need to be able to do it kind of with a clean slate. We just need to get rid of that bitterness and I need to get rid of that bitterness and anger. And he thanked me for it, but I was so thankful that I did it because I really learned at that moment about what God does for you when you follow His His plan and you you obey Him and you forgive because it was like that whole weight had just been lifted off of me instantly. I never looked back on that moment and regretted it and just kept looking forward and trying to get through just that day. And then we planned to have uh, her visitation. We had to do it quickly. So we had it on Sunday, which was Mother's Day. We had it, a lot of people came. We had it at the funeral home and over 900 people came. Your daughter's visitation was on Mother's Day. And while you're doing this, you know that there's somebody who's been arrested and is behind bars. I was in so much grief and pain of just trying to figure out how to manage my children and and my life at that moment, just trying to figure out how you how you do this. How what is life going to look like now? So, um, I mean, you're having to lead your family through. I mean, what you wrote to me in your letter. I don't know if you remember, but you said I've, you know, no parent should ever have to bury their child. And you know that I I feel like that's where your story actually began with me. And so you you're trying to navigate your life. You're trying to navigate your family, uh, lead them through this. You wrote to me about having a hard time just getting out of bed, putting one foot in front of the other. Meanwhile, let's put a name to, uh, to this person who was essentially responsible for taking the life of two girls as a result of his choice to drive drunk, Eric Smallridge. And Eric Smallridge was sentenced to 22 years in prison for taking the lives of these girls, one of them, your daughter, correct? Correct. Yes. And that sentence that he got, it's really actually two sentences because he got 11 years for each girl. 
And the judge that day, now this was in 2003, by this time, October 3rd, 2003 was the day of his sentencing. And they did convict him of two counts of DUI manslaughter back in July of that year. And in October 3rd of 2003, the judge said to him, when he was handing down his sentence, he said, I'm giving you 11 years for Megan and 11 years for Lisa. And he said, I have the discretion to run those sentences either concurrently, which means you serve them at the same time, or consecutively, which means they they run back to back. And he chose the consecutive sentences. So yes, he got sentenced to 22 years. That was his total sentence. And in the beginning, Eric was defiant as opposed to remorseful, correct? Yes, because, you you know, you hear, this is a small town, Gulf Breeze is a very small town, and you hear things from the police, and they they were not very pleased with the way he behaved at the scene, and of course he was belligerent and drunk, and he says he didn't know that he killed anyone. Um, Eric gets sentenced and goes to prison. You're trying to go on with your life, and obviously, like any parent would would seem like an impossible task just going on with your life. What was the first contact? Why did you reach out to Eric? What made you reach out to him? When I got the police report, I saw that they they had told me that he was 27 years old and I saw his birth date on there, May 3rd, 1978. So I knew that he was my son, Alan's age, because Alan was born in 1978. So I knew he was 24. Uh, That's that connection that we all make that first time that I related to him as same age as my son. And I started thinking about my own son. And, you know, um, so that was my first connection. It kind of humanized him for you? Yeah, it humanized him. It definitely did. And in my heart, I knew that he was a college student and I knew that he did not intend to do this. And the thing that I was battling the most was just trying not to get too angry at him about the fact that he was pleading not guilty and that I could not see his remorse. And that was really difficult. I kept having to keep that anger at bay, but I wasn't very successful at it. I mean, I was pretty much felt, I told my sister one day that I had so much rage inside of me that I wish that I had a old car that I could just put a sledgehammer to and just smash it to pieces. So that hatred that you swore would never come back was really threatening to come back. And, and any parent would probably go, yeah, I, I get that. I, I mean, for me as a dad, I read your whole story and I thought you selfishly personalized. You put yourself in any story that you hear and sort of kind of go, well, how would I handle that? And it's like if anybody even threatened to uh, harm my daughters, let alone be successful in it, whether it was intentional or not, you know, I would certainly understand a level of rage or hatred or, you know, that's just human nature. And, and so you're, you're having these things come back and, and yet you felt like the Lord helped you to forgive your husband for what had taken place before. And here you are on, just on a whole new level with rage and, and hatred or at least threatening to kind of overtake you. What took place that made you turn in a different direction away from that and and instead reach out to Eric the way that you, well, I want to get to that, but I want you to share ultimately what contact you made with Eric and why. First of all, I have always been a woman of faith. I've, I've got a really deep, grounded faith, and I prayed a lot. I listened to praise and worship music all the time in my car. Couldn't sing. I, I love to sing in my car with the praise and worship music. I could not sing, but I could listen to it. And it was blessing me. Had a scripture I recited every day. Um, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I said that out loud every day to God. And then I, I followed it up with, you know, God, I'm not rejoicing today. I don't feel like rejoicing, but I'm going to keep saying that because I have faith in you that one day you're going to pull me out of this darkness that I'm in. I know I am. I know that I'm going to get out of it and I'm going to keep my faith in you and keep saying this and and I'm going to keep saying it until I believe it. And all of that was going on in a lot of prayer and a lot of thinking about my faith and how I know I need to forgive him. And I know that's what God has designed for me to do. And I had to really think a lot about my family, my kids, what are they going to think if I forgive them? And then I, I just had to finally, it's not like I thought my kids would ever hate me for forgiving him or any of that. I, I My kids have always been very supportive of me and they I never felt like they wouldn't love me or any of that or they'd pull away from me. But I felt like it might be a little bit of a point of contention that they might not understand. But I'll tell you, 
I learned in a Beth Moore Bible study one time about the the reason that Jesus had to go into the Garden of Gethsemane by himself and pray before God without his his friends. He had to leave them out there praying for him. And I remembered that. And that was my moment of having to just get on my knees before God as many times as it took to say, God, I don't know what my family is going to think about this. I don't know, but I feel like you're wanting me to forgive him. And I just had to come to the moment in my own heart that that's what I had to do no matter how anybody else felt about me, because I felt like that was what God wanted me to do, and I wanted to be obedient to what He wanted me to do. So that's where I I, I got to, and I, and I knew I had to do it. Let's go to the sentencing. You're there. You're present at this young man's sentencing. You're seeing a 24-year-old who you've already sort of begun to see in a, in a slightly different light because of your own son who's the same age and you're sitting in the courtroom he gets uh sentenced he's he's guilty he's sentenced to 22 years and you're feeling tons of different emotions but ultimately you decide to communicate to him in the courtroom what is it that you say I typed it up, what I was going to say, because they call it a victim impact statement. So I had it typed up. And in the middle of it, I made sure that I wrote, Eric, I forgive you, because I wanted to make sure I looked him in the eyes and said that to him. But I will also tell you that at that point, even though I had humanized him, I was still very angry at him. And I was still dealing with those emotions. So I, you said it right, that I was a jumble of emotions. I had so many things going on. And I was still dealing with that anger because I had not seen his remorse. I mean, he did write a letter to us after he got convicted. I got a letter from him, but it was a very guarded apology, and but yet it was very healing for my heart. But I was still thinking, you know, he's still guarding himself because, you know, he's going to go away to prison for a really long time. So in the courtroom, everybody got to speak, and then I don't remember what order it was, but when it was my turn to speak, I just, you know, read my letter to the judge, and you get to read it out loud to everybody, and you know, I, I just told all the things that had gone on in that year about having to go clean out Megan's apartment and having to, you know, not have her at Christmas and Thanksgiving and all those times, you know, her birthday, all those things that we had gone through. And I talked about all of those things. And then in the middle of that, I looked at him and said, Eric, I forgive you. So that was a very powerful moment because you know, God can just, <laughs> just say in the words, it's like carries the weight of I love you. You know, it's it's just the power of those words, those I forgive you. It's just a tremendous power that I felt, and I'm sure he did, you know, I know he did because I've talked to him since then. But at that moment, you know, I don't know how he's feeling about it. You know, I know he received it, but I don't know what's going on in his mind. And, you know, but I had to say it out loud. And I just remember my ex-husband had a moment where he went and talked to him and he told him, I mean, he may have even said it. I think he did say it when it was his turn to speak. He said, as far as forgiveness goes, I'm not to that point. But there was, I don't remember any of my family saying, I'll never forgive you for this. So I think that they were all open to it. They just had not gotten there yet. You know, growing up as the preacher's kid, my mom was always in charge of children's church and Sunday school. And I remember VBS, Vacation Bible School, my mom always had these creative ideas for projects and crafts, and we loved it. The kids loved it. And those are some really special memories that I have. In fact, I see a lot of that in my youngest daughter, Delaney, this creativity. I'll tell you, we all have memories and experiences from childhood that shaped who we are today. With KiwiCo subscriptions, you and your child get everything you need to create unforgettable moments shipped right to your door. KiwiCo's fun and innovative crates provide engaging science and art projects for kids of all ages, for trailblazing toddlers to more experienced explorers and every stage in between. The West families had a blast digging into all the different themes of the crates. My daughter's favorite would be the doodle crate. Now she's 11, about to turn 12, and that crate is perfect. It's for ages nine to 16, and the theme is to create and craft. You get to inspire creativity with fun materials and interesting techniques to build new skills and confidence for young makers. And that's what I want my daughters to be, creative thinkers, makers. Now, it's hard to find new creative ways to keep kids busy while stretching their brain. 
brain, especially now. KiwiCo does the legwork for you so you can spend more quality time tackling projects together. I love that. Together, not individually, everybody in their rooms, but getting together as a family. Get real high-quality engineering, science, and art projects for your children and for the kids at heart. KiwiCo is redefining learning with hands-on projects that build confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills. There's something for every kid at KiwiCo. Get 30% off your first month, plus free shipping on any crate line with code WEST at KiwiCo.com. That's 30% off your first month at KiwiCo.com, promo code WEST. My friends, you know a song of mine called Truth Be Told? Well, I'm gonna let the truth be told right now. 2020's been a hard year. For many of us, maybe the hardest year we've ever had to face. And if you're anything like me, you'll know what I say when there's been more than one moment in 2020 where I feel like my spiritual health, mental health, emotional health has been threatened and weakened. And as proud as I am, it's hard to admit when I need to talk to somebody, when I need some help. But here's a newsflash. There are not enough self-help books in the stores to give me the strength and the wisdom I need to rise up and face every obstacle that's gonna come my way. You and me, we can't do it alone. We need help. And that's why I wanna tell you about my friends at BetterHelp. This is what they want to help you do. They want to assess your needs and then match you with your own licensed professional therapist. Then you get the opportunity to connect in a safe and private online environment. It is so convenient and you don't have to deal with the awkwardness of sitting in a waiting room. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. You get to send a message to your counselor anytime. You get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. BetterHelp has licensed professional counselors who specialize in areas like anger, depression, stress, family conflicts, anxiety, relationships, and the list goes on. They've got a counselor that's right for you. It's professional, it's super affordable, which is so important in times like these. Listen, the heartbeat of the Matthew West podcast is to help you in whatever chapter of your story you find yourself in, to let you know that you're not alone, that God has great plans for you, and the best is yet to come. But sometimes it's important to talk to somebody and get the wisdom and help you need. I want you to start living that happier and more fulfilling life today. As a listener of this podcast, you're going to get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash MWP. Join over 1 million people who've taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash MWP. And so Eric's in prison and you begin having semi-regular communication with him, sending him letters and your act of forgiveness towards Eric impacted Eric's life in a huge way. You called your statement that you had to read in the courtroom a victim's impact statement. And yet the words you spoke during your victim's impact statement had an impact on the convicted person who was now behind bars. And I remember you shared with me that, you know, essentially here this guy was behind bars, but for a long time you felt like the prisoner because of all of the, uh, the anger and, and the hatred that would continue to well up. But you continue to ask the Lord to help you do this impossible thing called forgiveness, and you have this communication with him. And what I was moved so deeply by was how Eric, being so moved by your act of forgiveness and having nothing but time behind bars to really consider the reality of of what his choices had led him to, so moved by your act of forgiveness, he winds up making a decision to ask Jesus to be his personal Lord and Savior as well. And and really, at your encouragement, I mean, what you were encouraging him in those letters was like, hey, this doesn't have to be the end of your story either. Isn't that correct? So it was in 2005 when I got to talk to him on the phone. My mom had reached out to him. She asked me if she could get on his calling list. He started calling her because she couldn't call him, but he would call her. She would tell me about those phone calls and and what they had talked about. And and she just kept telling him, you remember the, the expression, let go and let God. And she just kept telling him that. And she holds a very special place in his heart because of all the encouragement and the words that she gave to him. And I was at her house one day, it's 2005, 
And he called and I heard her answer and talked to him for just a, a minute. And then she said, well, hold on just a minute and I'll put her on. So I get on the phone and I said, hello. And the very first thing that Eric said was, "Miss Napier, I want to let you know that I take full responsibility for what I did that night. And if I had not been drinking, Megan and Lisa would still be alive today. And those were the words that I really had been longing to hear after I heard how sorry he was. I needed to know that he was going to take responsibility because he had blamed another car. He pled not guilty. And now I felt like if he could take responsibility, that that would be a good road, a good path to redemption and and really and truly like rehabilitating. Knowing those things, um, I well, I talked to his mom and dad and I said, I, I didn't know them really that well. I'd only met them a couple of times. And I'd moved down to Treasure Island at that point, was headed back to Pensacola on a Friday night. And I called and I said, hey, I'm coming through Tallahassee in about 30 minutes. And I had Gary and Rainey, his parents, uh, Eric's parents on the phone. And I've got something that's really weighing on my heart that I really want to talk to you about, but I need to do it face to face if that's okay. Gary said, we're headed to celebrate my mom's 92nd birthday at Bonefish Grill. Why don't you join us? So now I'm at Bonefish Grill and... I'm sitting there with them and I said, I've just been mulling this around. I know that, I know y'all have been appealing his sentences and they were trying to get him shortened and they'd been to the Florida appellate court. They'd been to the Florida Supreme Court and they were getting all of their ducks in a row to go to the United States Supreme Court. And my dad told me that was a really expensive process. So I said, I know you're spending a lot of money and you're trying to appeal his sentences, but I've got this idea, have no idea how to accomplish it. Don't know if it'll work, but how about if we try to get a hearing and we asked the judge to just restructure the sentences to concurrent because he said on that day of the sentencing he could either structure them consecutively or concurrently. And this way we're not slapping the attorneys in the face and saying you didn't do your job back then. Why don't we just see if we can do that? Because the judge said, you know, according to the law, he could have structured the sentences concurrently. And so they were blown away. I mean, his mom, I mean, I, I still can picture her with this, just her face, the tears were just streaming down in a river, August of 2006. That's a day that is forever etched into my, my memory and my heart. The moment you spoke to Eric in person, now it was between the glass, it was through the glass, but what was it that Eric said to you? Eric said to me, I want to let you know that it's because of Megan and Lisa that I have my eternal salvation. And Michelle, my daughter Michelle's response to him was, Megan and Lisa were the kind of girls that would have died for your eternal salvation. Wow. And so that was a very powerful moment. So here you are, the Lord's working in your life, and you're expressing this forgiveness, and then your mom and your son and your daughters and your ex-husband and your, your family is all really following what the Lord's doing in your life and now it's spilling over to them. And I just, this powerful image in my mind, and I, you know, I hope the listener can capture this image of one by one, these family members standing up and speaking on behalf of, of the guy responsible for them not being able to see their daughter, their sister, their granddaughter ever again. And the judge decides to grant this request, essentially ending his prison sentence 11 years early. Yes, he did. After we all spoke, and um, I told you I was the last one to speak, and I even you know, mentioned to the judge, I said, you know, I've, I've thought about it long and hard, and I said, and, and I know that you probably are concerned that what if we all come here today and then he gets out of prison early and he goes out and does it again. And the judge was nodding his head like, yeah, that's a huge, serious concern. And I said, and I've thought about that. I said, but I'm going to tell you that after meeting him today, I felt hundred percent in my heart, like we were doing the right thing. So the judge agrees. And here's the thing that I, this is one of the things that really has stuck out to me is I think about you standing up in a courtroom and basically telling the judge, Hey, have mercy on this guy. He's guilty. He's admitted it. We all know it, but uh, he's ready to have a second chance at life. And, you know, the picture in there, and I hope it's not missed by anybody listening to this right now, is that there's somebody who's done that on our behalf, on all of our behalfs. You know, that, that Jesus on a cross said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And, you know, essentially this act that you what you did on the stand there, um, showing mercy on somebody who, or asking the judge to 
have mercy on Eric is is you know somebody's done that on our behalf and I don't want that to be missed that realization and I've had the chance to share your story so many times from the stage and play your song forgiveness and I and I try to connect those dots for the audience every night to say do you realize that somebody has gone in front of a judge on behalf of you and on behalf of me saying father forgive them and when you tap into the power and the freedom of that word forgiveness and really let it wash over you and you begin to realize that that we are the guilty prisoner who has a chance to be set free both when we receive the forgiveness that God offers to us but also when we extend forgiveness to somebody else that the rest of the world might say doesn't deserve it so fast forward Eric is released from prison getting exactly what you had uh, hoped to help him receive, which is a second chance at life. And you wind up taking it even a step farther than that. Now, you've begun a foundation. Tell everybody what the name of your foundation is. The Megan Napier Foundation. Named after your daughter. You travel around. As long as I've known you, you've been traveling to schools, to NFL locker rooms, to... (laughs) (laughs) You've You've shared your story, and you've talked, you've spoken out about the dangers of drunk driving. Uh, How many speaking engagements do you think you've done in the last several years? I don't know. I can't even, I don't know. It's been a lot. You know, I started when I wrote you the letter back in 2010, I had just put in a request with, or getting ready to go for a request with the Department of Corrections to ask them to grant him uh, the ability to come with me, to join me. He couldn't come with me, like physically, like I couldn't go pick him up. But the sheriffs in Florida I went to their conferences and they backed me and they said they would go pick him up. So they allowed him to come join me. So he began joining you at these speaking engagements even before he was released from prison. Now, now he's officially released from prison and the two of you began traveling around and speaking and sharing not only about the dangers of drunk driving, but allowing the audiences to see this beautiful picture of the power of forgiveness. And I just have to say one of the most memorable moments of my life came in one of the most unlikely places that I would have ever imagined. And that was back inside the walls of a maximum security prison in Florida with you. Yes. And Eric. Mm -hmm. And you stood up and we were in front of a group of inmates that were all serving life sentences. And you stood up and you shared your story. And then Eric stood up and shared his side of the story of forgiveness and how it's impacted his life. And hearing him communicate with the inmates was such a powerful thing, too, because it was like he was like, hey, I was once inside these walls. And then I got to stand between the two of you and sing this song about how the prisoner that it really frees is you. Forgiveness. And I, and Renee, that was a moment where I I mean, I thought I'd seen what true worship looked like, but man, you want to see, you want to see some powerful worship. (laughs) I I mean, seeing those inmates on their feet with their hands in the air, just singing and worshiping as if it was like they were the free ones. You know what I mean? It was literally the whole point of that song. And not a dry eye in the house. And I watched these hardened criminals, these inmates crying and worshiping God and thanking God for forgiveness and second chances at life. It's just such a powerful picture. And I think about that all those years later, you know, would that moment have ever been able to take place, Renee, if not for your obedience to God in your weakest moments many years back when you had every right to choose to hold on to bitterness instead of let it go? to choose to lean into the hatred instead of leaning into love, to choose to uh, run towards the rage you were feeling and let that control your emotions versus running to the God who you knew had forgiven you. 
if you had made different choices, we may have never found ourselves at that place, at that beautiful moment in that prison, that moment of victory, that moment of freedom, and that moment of forgiveness, all because you dared to believe that God was going to lead you to do something that seemed impossible. And that's why I wanted your story to be told, Renee. I'm so moved by it. I get to see Eric from time to time now. He's a newlywed, and I know you guys stay in touch uh, even to this day, right? Yes, we do. When Eric and I get to go and share our story, even in a school yeah. or even on a, at a military base or wherever, people come and talk about the DUI part. But the one thing that many people cling to is that forgiveness because yeah. I believe that we're all wired to do it because God wouldn't command us to do something He hadn't wired us to do. And they just want to know more about it. Like, how do I forgive this person that's offended me? How, will you help me just kind of walk me through that? So it is powerful. I would imagine the judge was responding to your story and moved by your story in the same way that I was in that I'm reading a story and thinking to myself, I'm not sure I could do the same thing. And I can be the king of holding grudges. You know, I always joke with people from the stage that I have a, I have a hard time forgiving uh, someone who cuts me off in traffic, let alone who, uh, somebody who might harm my family. And that's why this song took me so long to write, because I felt like a hypocrite. How, who am I to write a song, encourage, hey, somebody wrongs you, forgive them. Who am I to write that song if I have a hard time doing that myself? And what helped me turn the corner in writing this song in an honest way, Renee, was, was to write it in the form of a prayer. And I know you've heard me say that. That was the aha moment was instead of like, you should forgive those, the chorus became, show me how. Right. And that was my kind of way into the story to say, God, show me how to to do that in my life in the way that Renee has done that in hers. And and people are moved by your story every time they hear it, whether it's in a prison, on an army base, in an NFL locker room, or wherever it may be. May God continue to bless your story and increase your territory because your story of forgiveness is really about the greater story of forgiveness that's extended to every single one of us, even when we think we don't deserve it. I'm going to put your website address for your uh, foundation on the website in the show notes of this episode so people can find out more about your ministry and how the Lord is using you. And Renee, I thank you for allowing me to be a part of your story and to write this song, Forgiveness, inspired by your story and the story of your daughter. I pray that, you know, and you've heard me say this before, but uh, maybe in some small way, whenever you turn on the radio and hear this song, Forgiveness, that uh, it's just one, one more glimpse of how the legacy of your daughter will live on and on and on, all because of the way that you have chosen to forgive just as Jesus forgives us. To somebody who's listening to this right now, who's got some bitterness in their life, who has a grudge, maybe they have a right to hold a grudge towards somebody who's hurt them deeply and they're hearing your story about forgiveness and they're just thinking, I just can't. What's been done to me is, is it's just too much. The hurt is too deep. I can't forgive. What is it that you would want to say to that person? You know, when you take me back to May 11th, 2002, and it's like, I know that that's what my faith tells me I have to do, but how do I do it? I, at that moment, I really didn't want to, because it's like, I understand why people don't want to forgive. And you feel like you're going to release that person, like they've won or that they are just, um, they get off the hook for what they've done to you. And I've grown so much in this whole journey of learning about forgiveness. And I've discovered that forgiveness doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that they're let off the hook. And it doesn't mean that they shouldn't be punished and all of those things. And it doesn't mean that I've betrayed Megan and Lisa because I forgave him. But what it does mean is that I have decided that I don't want this to be that anchor that I drag through my life that hinders me from being the person that God created me to be. And I don't want to be defined negatively by that moment. I would rather move forward and, and be unencumbered by carrying that huge burden with me forever. And it truly does set you free to forgive. And so I hope and pray for whoever is listening that really believes that you can't get to that point I would encourage you to start praying if you can start praying for your ability to do that or start praying for that person and just 
ask God to help you pray for that person. Try it for 30 days and see where you get, because I have learned from other people who have done that, that when you get about 20-something days in, it's just like God breaks down those walls. It's hard to pray against someone that you've been trying to pray for. So I hope that that person, whoever whoever it is, could get to that because it really does free you and it, it just opens your life right up and it, and it helps you. And, and for me, what I believe is that it didn't betray Megan and Lisa, but it glorified God. And it's not just a one-time decision, you know. I mean, this is something we have to, you know, old hurts, grudges, bitterness can rise up within us, just like just like sin in our lives, you know, just like God's forgiveness is not just a, a one-time thing. He doesn't forgive us once and then say, oh, you messed up again, you know, and so likewise, our journey of forgiving others is going to be a, a journey. It's just that, and so thank you for exemplifying. Thank you for showing us what that looks like. Renee, God bless you. Thank you for coming to the Story House today. Thank you so much. I'm so honored, and, and I do appreciate the opportunity. Hey, that's our show for today. I want to thank my guest, Renee Napier, for sharing her powerful story and for daring to believe that God could use even the broken chapter of her story to help somebody else. I want to thank Krista for calling in and giving proof that Renee sharing her story helps somebody named Krista in East Texas who is dealing with some forgiveness issues in her life. That is a beautiful example of the ripple effect that can happen when we dare to tell our stories. Why? Because it's our stories for His glory. Speaking of story, if you are at a difficult place in your story right now and you need some help, some support, some encouragement, if you need somebody to pray with you, our ministry is called Pop We. Please visit our ministry at popwe.org. That's P-O-P-W-E.org. You can submit a prayer request. You can share your story via video, whatever it may be. You can sign up to receive weekly devotions straight to your email inbox. Uh, We are trying to help people one by one, as many as we can, to let you know that your story is not over. So visit popwe.org. The song you heard today, Forgiveness, can be found wherever you listen to my music. Just type in the word forgiveness. Let it speak to your heart. And remember that the prisoner that it really frees is you. I want to leave you with this reminder. You can't live your life with grace and extending mercy to other people and forgiveness if you've never fully embraced the forgiveness that's offered to you each and every day. Would you let that wash over you? You are loved. And you don't have to keep yourself behind bars. You don't have to be a prisoner. You can be set free by the power of one word, forgiveness. It's your story for his glory. I'll see you guys next week on the Matthew West Podcast. Seriously, I, I, I do.